Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Hi, guys. Happy spooky October. I got my flu shot yesterday. Have you guys all gotten Good for you, yeah. Yes. Did it hurt? It hurt me for a few days. Yeah, it's a little sore. I felt a little, like, headachey this morning when I woke up. So I don't know if that's just psychosomatic or actual. Probably. I took the kids last week, and the three of us all had it done at the, our pediatrician's office. And the next day, I had flu-like symptoms. And, of course, in the age of COVID, I was just a total wreck, completely freaked out. You know, but then the next day, I was totally fine. Um, psychosomatic. Yes, get your flu shot, everyone. It's very important this year. Absolutely. I'd encourage anybody who's on the fence about whether they really, eh, what's the point? I don't, I'm healthy. I don't really need a flu shot. I'll be fine if I get the flu. Go read the article on uh, theatlantic.com from a doctor about uh, the ethics of getting a flu shot. I think it really sums it up nicely. And it's, and it doesn't, it doesn't harangue people, but it makes the case that, that you do have a certain obligation to your community to, to try and curb the spread of the flu. And all of the things you hear about the flu shot, most of them are not true. Um, and most of them are easily debunked. Uh, it is safe. It is effective. So yeah, get a flu shot. It's not just about you. It's not just about you. That's our PSA from the Express News Group. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> We're, we're going to do an hour on flu shots and we're just going to harangue everybody <laughs> <with the> flu <laughs> Well, maybe we should introduce ourselves first before we go into that. So, um, so we got Bill Sutton here today. Hello, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And we have Catherine Manu. Hey, Annette. It's Catherine Manu, um, otherwise known as Georgie, and I'm the co-publisher of the Express News Group and a big believer in the flu vaccines. And uh, we have Brendan O'Reilly. Hey, Brendan. Hi, I'm Brendan O'Reilly. I'm the features editor. And we have Joseph Shaw today. Yeah. Joe Shaw, I'm the executive editor, and I have a new uh, mount for my iPad for doing Zoom meetings. I look less like a thumb. Excellent. So are you, are you a different digit? I, well, more like an index <laughs> finger now, which is a little better, because uh, I was seriously thumb-like before. I feel a little <laughs> better about this. It's still not great. I, you know, I only bring what I can bring, but, you know. Congratulations. Uh, and my name's Annette Hinkle. I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. So today we're sort of just winging it, aren't we? Um, we thought we might talk about ghosts because it happens on this very eve in the week before All Hallows Eve. I'm um, doing a, uh, telling some true ghost stories at the Whaling Museum this evening. So I, in a way, I feel like this is going to be sort of a reverse thing where instead of me asking you guys questions, you guys should ask me questions. So we kind of reverse it a little bit, but um, I don't know. Let's jump into this, shall we? So what stories are you telling? Ah. <laughs> Let's just throw it right back <laughs> on you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have about, about seven or eight, and um, a lot of them are are centered around pretty well-known institutions in Sag Harbor. And for some odd reason, they're all Sag Harbor stories. Um, so I have- Hey, all right, well, let me do this. Before you start, do you believe in ghosts? 
I'm not sure. I've never had an experience that makes me think that there definitely is such a thing, but, um, and you may know a little bit about this, Joe, but um, having gone to school at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, which has been named the 13th most haunted spot on earth, according to this paranormal psychology society in England, there were some creepy stuff that went on there. Um, not only did we have the, um, the lunatic asylum, as they called it up on the hill, that was abandoned that we used to sneak up to, but there was also like, I, I mean, pretty much every one of my friends has a story about something weird. And a lot of these people don't know each other. Um, so the, the ghost stories of Athens are just bizarre. So, but I never had anything happen to me there at all. It's probably important to note that our podcast is taking place the week of the death of the amazing Randy, who was a very famous magician who's devoted his life to debunking uh, paranormal activities. Uh, he died, I believe he was 91 when he died, but right up to the end, he constantly was... Well, so it wasn't a mysterious death. <laughs> I guess it depends on... I don't know the details, but uh, he did finally, uh, his career is over, but I'm not sure anybody is out there doing that right now. He devoted his, his career to debunking uh, paranormal stuff. He was very much a skeptic. So I think the difference in the stories that I told is that, you know, I'm not like one of those, let's get the ghost meters out or any of that kind of thing. So I'll just basically the way that my collection of stories came about. And again, for some odd reason, all of my stories are about Sag Harbor. Like I have asked like, Richard Barron's over at the East Hampton Historical Society. He's like, he just, people just don't seem to share ghost stories over there or don't have them or something. I don't know. East Hampton seems to be like a, have nothing going on. And I don't know, there's a few probably in Southampton, but for some reason, Sac Harbor seems to be a hotbed. And um, it's, it's, so we started, my friend Tony Garrow and I started doing ghost tours of Sac Harbor through the Southampton Trails group. And it was sort of just a lark. And it started probably like 15 years ago. We were at a Sac Harbor Express holiday party and and tony's like do you believe in ghosts i'm like i don't know i mean i've had a couple weird things happen around my house but not like oh my god that was a ghost thing so we started calling around and got some stories from richard barons and a couple other people and they were kind of like urban legendy sort of stories so we started doing this ghost tour of sac harbor um about weird lights in the attic and strange smells and ghosts that were supposedly seen in the 1940s and then what happened is like every year we would do these sort of urban legendy ghost tours and almost every year, somebody on the tour would say, well, let me tell you what happened to me in that house or this house or at Murph's or at the Whalers Church. So over the years, we started just filtering out the, the stories that came to us second or third hand. And pretty much all the stories I have now are firsthand, um, which is kind of crazy. And it's even gotten to the point where someone will say, oh, there's a, a house up on Jermaine Avenue. I'm like, that's too far. I don't care. You know, <laughs> I've, I've even gotten to weed out some... Uh, <laughs> Some, some ghost stories for not being particularly close on our route of walking, you know, on a cold, dark October night, which is weird, I think. I think it's interesting, too, that you've reached out to other Southport communities like East Hampton and, you know, they don't have their own ghost stories as far as we know. Um, I know the Southampton um, History Museum is doing their like paranormal investigation at the Rogers mansion. I believe that's this weekend and next weekend mm -hmm. um, as a part of their Halloween events. But I don't think that they've ever uncovered any paranormal activity in all the years they've done that. I did one of their events last year to see how they do it. And um, they did say they had some like some, some uh, a recording of a, uh, something flying across the basement one time when they were down there doing a stakeout. Mm. But that's interesting because 
you know, when someone says, oh, I've got a ghost story for you. I'm like, yeah, let's hear it. And they're like, I was in my bed and I heard walking over my head. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But it doesn't seem like a story. Do you live in a basement apartment? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Do you live in New York? But you know what I mean? Like, I think that there's, there's weird unexplained incidences, but then there's stories. And the stuff that I heard is like really wild kind of cool stories of like channeling and, um, and things where like somebody will tell me something and then a totally different source three years later will tell me they saw the exact same thing, you know, like where there's actually some corroboration. Does that make sense? Or also like corroboration within like a family. Um, like I remember you and I on one of our walks, remember we used to do those walks in Sag Harbor where we would walk like a mile one way to walk a mile back the other way just to get out of the office. And we were passing Spalding's um, and Kathy's old house. And you told me a really cool ghost story um, that they experienced as a family, I believe, right? They had a lot of issues in that house. I could tell that story. We could do that. So sure. if you would like. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, I mean, I, I remember it being, it's been a while, but I seem to remember it being one of those ghost stories that even as a skeptic, I was like, oh, maybe, like, that's cool. <laughs> So this is the house um, that Spalding and Kathy, Spalding Gray and Kathy lived in um, probably from the mid nineties until about 2001. From the moment they moved in, the house apparently was, was had a lot of issues. It had been a schoolhouse that um, was, and I think in the, in the 19th century, two sisters lived there and ran a school. So it had been a schoolhouse and Kathy and Spalding, of course, traveled a lot for Spalding. He would do performances and monologues out on the road and one time when they were gone, they had a babysitter who was watching their um, their children, and they were. She was on the second floor with the kids, and she reported hearing an entire cocktail party going on downstairs. And she came down the steps, and there was nothing got nothing going on. And so she barricaded herself and the kids up in the second floor for the rest of the weekend. And Kathy said frequently, and a lot of times when Spalding was traveling, it was a three story house. The kids slept in the attic and she didn't, she was paranoid about having the kids up there alone when she was alone in the house in case there was a fire or something like that. So she would always bring the, their, the three kids down to the second floor to sleep on the second floor with her um, when Spalding was away. And she said she would always hear like jumping up and down above her or walking or things running across the floor. Um, and it, it would, you know, freaked her, <laughs> freaked her out. Um, she would also hear frequently at four in the morning, three knocks on the front door, just three knocks. And she would go downstairs and there would never be anybody there. And then that freaked her out too. She, she decided that the ghost was on her side though one summer. They used to rent their house out and go away for the summer. And she had a painting of herself in the basement that her tenants hung up on the wall. And she hated the painting because it had been done by her ex-husband. And once you know, they come back after being gone all summer, that painting's hanging on the wall. She's like, the first night that they were back in the house, that painting came crashing down in the middle of the night. So that convinced her that the ghost was on her side. Um, <laughs> glasses would fly across the table. Like one time Spalding was sitting there having a glass of wine and it just, this glass just slid across the table and crashed. Um, and then the weirdest thing, and I just found out about this probably about a year ago, Kathy said after they had, um, they had bought their new house in North Haven and had not yet sold this old house that they were in, um, they had a group of friends in the dining room and they were toasting the fact that they were buying the new house. So they're like, oh, here's a, here's a toast to the new house. And she said, 
two wine glasses picked up off the table and crashed into each other. Like, <gasps> and she was cool. like, what? <laughs> and, and, and like one time, like, like a giant shelf fell like two, two inches from her child. So she started to not trust the ghost after that. Um, she was a little freaked out. So that's kind of where it stood. But then, you know, I don't know if you remember, of course you remember this. Um, Marissa, her daughter, used to work with us at the Express. And Marissa told me, you know, a few years ago, told me a hair-raising story where she was in the house and it was, um, they were getting ready to go on a trip the next day. So everybody was supposed to be sleeping early, you know, get to bed early. And she heard footsteps coming up the stairs from the downstairs up into the hallway. And then she heard this like low male laughter outside her door, like, <laughs> freaked her out freaked her out. She ran out and, and jumped into bed with Spalding and Kathy and they got very angry because they all had to be up at four in the morning. They made her go back into her room and she was laying there and she said she heard, she heard the laugh again. And then she said she heard this thing turn around and run down the stairs and run through the living room, out the kitchen door. And she heard like the outdoor gate slamming. So God knows what that was. So um, but Bethany Dearman, who we all know, right, she was, she was a teacher in Sac Harbor. She was a member of the LVIS in Sac Harbor, and the LVIS did a historic house tour, and Kathy and Spalding's house was on the tour. And when and Bethany shows up and she asks Kathy, she's like, do you ever hear knocks at four in the morning on the front door? And Kathy's like, well, yes, I do. And Bethany said, well, my aunt used to live in this house, and she heard the same thing in the 40s. Uh -huh. mm, interesting. Jesper, you know, we're, we're lucky because we have you here because you're going to, this is your, this is your thing. You're going to be doing this presentation in Sag Harbor tonight. Um, I bought tickets for it. Now I feel like I should just return them because I'm going to hear all the best stories now. I have a feeling. No, please don't. We need money. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to tell them all. I feel like telling, telling ghost stories must be one of the oldest forms of storytelling. Yeah, I think um, it's it's very folkloric, and I think that you know that's the I think the difference. It's like you know I don't go out and try to find evidence of anything. I just sort of you know like everyone's like, do you believe in ghosts? Do you think these are true? I'm like, well, I know the people that told them to me thinks think that they're true. So I feel like that's kind of a good jumping off point. I mean, there's also this you know these weird this weird thing about evidence and what makes a ghost story and rumors like there's a story about a woman who lived on main street in sag harbor in an old house with her parents the house was so old it had seaweed in the walls of the house like insulation and she claimed that at night she would see a ghost on her wall this kind of outline of a ghost and it scared everybody and i don't know if you know if she thinks it was a real ghost or not but um she never told her 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 mother about it because she was afraid she would sell the house and she loved the house her friends were always afraid to sleep over so this young woman goes off to college and while she's gone her mother rents her room out not knowing about this and allegedly rented it to a asthmatic horrible asthmatic who was found dead in the morning probably because he saw this thing this seeping phosphorescence coming off the wall which is such a cool story but it's like not exactly a ghost story but it's like a good lord i know that is, that is yeah. presumably the phosphorescence was coming from the seaweed exactly that's amazing keeping through the wallpaper but i think that that's what's interesting it, it, the whole idea of of 
whether or not you investigate something may or may not turn it into a ghost story. And this is hilarious. So I have these awesome, awesome stories about the Whalers Church. And I was out with some friends who were in from Boston and they wanted to hear the stories in the middle of the summer. So like I, we were sitting on the steps of the old Whalers Church and I'm telling these stories and I finished this one particularly scary one. My daughter's there and um, our friends Ken and Stu are there. Like they don't even, they don't believe in any of this. As soon as I finished the story, the front door of the old Whalers Church, this is like at 10 o'clock at night, turns and then turns back. Like you hear it turn. <gasps> And everybody jumps up and screams and runs off into the night. And I'm sitting there laughing. And Ken's like, what? There's no way. How is this happening? How is this happening? And everybody's like running down the street. And so Ken gets up. He's like, I'm going to find out what's going on because he's a non-believer. And he goes and he bangs on the door. And like my daughter and his daughter are like, no, don't do it. And they're all freaking out. And nothing, you know, we're like, what is that? And Ken's like, I'm not leaving till I figure this out. So he went around the side of the church and there was a guy there smoking a cigarette. And he said, did you just try to come out the, the front of the church? And the guy's like, yeah, I was going to go out and have a cigarette, but everybody started screaming. So I thought I'd <laughs> <laughs> But here's the t- if we had all just got up and run away, we would have a ghost story, wouldn't we? Yeah, you would. That's amazing. <laughs> but that's kind of like... <laughs> I get an interesting debunking of it. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Cordoraro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Brendan, I'm curious. I have no idea, and I'm very intrigued to know. Do you believe in ghosts? I don't believe in ghosts. I'm very skeptical of all things. I like, you know, supernatural entertainment-based books or TV shows, but I don't buy into any of it. I'm much more on the side of, like, the the, uh, Penn & Teller BS show, and, like, that's the kind of stuff I like to watch when I think about you know, listening to ghost stories is all the creative ways that people have found to debunk things. And some of these things that seem to be phenomenon, if you dig hard enough, like Annette was saying, there's always an answer. There was a university where they would have uh, radiation spikes at different times in this one area of a room, and they couldn't figure out why, and it was going on for months on end. And then it finally occurred to somebody that on the other side of the wall, was the kitchen (laughs) and the radiation spikes was every time somebody went to microwave their lunch. I'm kind of with Brendan on this. I, I see, I would, I don't feel strongly enough to say that I, I I don't know a lot of things and I know what I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend I do know all this. I am a real skeptic though, that I think there's almost always a reasonable explanation. And sometimes there isn't. And does that mean, I think sometimes, are those sometimes there isn't an actual paranormal event? I don't know. Who knows? I also wonder, too, if like there's some people who seem more in tune to stuff than others. Like the former minister of the Episcopal Church in Sag Harbor, he had like this this sense and he told me some crazy stuff. Like he, you know, you'd walk down the street. I, I don't know. It just seems like some of these people just seem, they, I don't know, they say that they see stuff and they say that it's, um, you know, that they have a certain, a certain 
way to, to tune in on this stuff, but I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's never happened to me. I've, if, the, if that exists, I certainly don't have it, which is, which is interesting. I don't know. Have you guys had anything weird happen in your lives that you can't explain? Well, yeah, I, I was going to say, <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about the stories about hauntings, about a, a specific place or a house or whatever that is inhabited by spirits that don't want to leave or, or whatever. I, I, I'm a little skeptical about that. But do I believe that there's other planes and that sometimes people in the universe visit from those other planes? When I was really young and my grandmother had had, she had had open heart surgery. She was one in Rochester, one of the first people to actually have open heart surgery. And after the surgery, somebody had given her this little, it's not a music box, but it's a little dancing figurine that's got a, it's got a wind up thing on it and it plays a certain song. And I remember we were all, you know, worried about her. And I remember playing that a lot and twisting it up and, and playing it. And long story short, she lived for years and years after that, you know, thank God. But um, so I ended up with, with that figurine. I have it, I have it today. And um, I never wind it. I never play it or I never use it. But every now and then, and it seems like it's very stressful times in my life or if something's going on in my life or whatever, um, one night I was just, I was eating dinner with a friend in, in the kitchen and, you know, talking about heavy stuff and out of nowhere, the, the thing just starts turning and playing. And that's happened a few times in my life. And do, do, is, is it, is it, possible or probable that there's some kind of scientific explanation for that and maybe the microwave was 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 running and you know whatever yeah po possibly do i want to believe though that that was my grandmother coming in and saying it's all right billy it's going to be okay yeah i want i'd rather believe that it makes me feel good well i think also you know that's like the thing about ghost stories more than i think more common than the hauntings that you hear about you know i think a lot of ghost stories are rooted and people wanting to remember those that they've loved that have passed potentially in an untimely way and, you know, or not, and find a way to, you know, hold on to that energy a little bit um, and, and maybe feel like they're being protected or watched over in some sort of way, even if, you know, you don't have strong religious, you know, roots and the ideas of, exactly. you know, heaven and hell you know, there's still maybe something out there that you can hold on to. Even if you believe in physics, it's like yeah. matter can only be, uh, cannot be created or destroyed, only transferred. <laughs> so maybe that's it. Oh, black cat just walked through Joe's frame. You're familiar. That's your familiar. <laughs> that's my black cat. That's my beloved Felix, the, the black cat. And as I always say, the day a black cat crossed my path is the luckiest day uh, that I ever had. And why is that? Cause he's a good boy. He's, he's my buddy. He's my, my, my close buddy. And I've, oh, I thought there was a little deeper meaning. There, but... No, that's all. I just really, <laughs> I just really like my black cat. So George, you've never had anything? No, you know, I really haven't. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess the closest thing, but it would be, a, it's really a total fluke is, um, you know, Gavin and I have a terrible pattern of killing orchids. Um, we just cannot keep an orchid alive and certainly cannot get an orchid to rebloom. Like e even if I keep the leaves going, like I never get that second bloom. Like it's just not going to happen to the point where Gavin 
finally early in our courtship was like, you know, no more orchids for us. Like this just is not working out. <laughs> um, so, but when my um, grandmother died, my sister-in-law, Sarah, you know, was very sweet and, um, you know, sent me an orchid. I was very, um, very close with my Nana and, um, and her death was slightly sudden. And so she, she gave me this orchid and I mean, I kept that sucker alive for a really long time and it rebloomed like three or four times for me, you know, before I finally found my way of doing it in. You know? <laughs> but, you know, I remember the first time it rebloomed, I thought to myself, like, I wonder if that's, you know, because it's Nana's orchid, you know, and I kind of held on to that kind of like what Bill was saying, like, you know, whether or not it really was you know, because of some sort of energy, my Nana, who would have totally not believed in any of this, <laughs> said, you know, I, I wanted to believe that maybe, you know, she was trying to connect to me in some way, because, you know, she was such a huge part of my life. And, you know, it was hard to not have her around. So was it hard to finally get rid of that orchid when it stopped blooming? Yeah, it was. Um, but, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, we, for whatever reason, orchids hate us. And, you know, there did come a point where it was just done and it was over. But and I was, I was actually very sad about it. Yeah. But that's, so that's the last orchid we've had in the house and wow. probably the last one we'll ever have. So Joe, you got nothing, huh? I got nothing. I, I, I was actually racking my brain earlier trying to think if I have a story. You know, the, the one thing, uh, I grew up in a house uh, in a rural community that, that was an older house, very much an older house, and it had a basement like you would find in a horror film. You know, it just uh, dirt floors in places and dugout areas and uh, little corners that, that never got any light. And uh, it was really creepy. And then all of it compounded by the fact that the owner right before us killed himself in the basement. So uh, anytime I had to go downstairs to do anything in that house as a child, I ran and did what I had to do and ran back up. And I really did. I, up till my teens, I did not linger in that basement long. Uh, it was very unsettling down there, but quite honestly, I've, I, I, you know, I'm trying, unless I've, you know, you're going to crack through my psyche here and I'm, something's going to come out that I've buried very deeply. <laughs> uh, I, I cannot remember having any kind of paranormal incident of any kind that, that, that would, that, so, so, I mean, I guess that contributes to my skepticism and, and, you know, if it happened to me, I would probably be one of those people who's like, well, I don't generally believe in it. <laughs> but I know what happened to me was well, definitely paranormal. It's interesting. I, I know that there was a court case in New York about revealing whether or not your house was haunted when you sell it. Um, and I remember hearing about this in the night in the early nineties, because I worked with a woman who knew the family who was the subject of the court case. And this was an old house up on the Hudson river in Nyack, New York, or somewhere around there. And they apparently had a revolutionary war ghost or so they said, and that they, the family that lived there had a very, good relationship with this ghost and um would hear it and then maybe i don't know if they ever saw it but they would definitely hear it from time to time maybe they got glimpses of it and apparently on the morning of um, a wedding the the young woman in the house was getting married um they claimed that the ghost left a little simple gold ring for her on the dresser wow. 
And this story they told apparently to Reader's Digest. And so it was published. And then a number of years later, they sold the house to somebody who bought it and did not have a happy relationship with whatever was in it. And then, and they did not disclose that they had a quote unquote ghost in it. And he sued them to get his money back because they had publicized the fact that they had a ghost. It had appeared in Reader's Digest. And um, I believe that he won that case. I don't know what this, what the statue is now, but um, yeah, apparently he won that case of the haunted house. And I think you're also supposed to disclose if there was a, I may, maybe Brandon, we've talked about this, maybe if there's been a murder or a very um, dramatic event in a house that you're supposed to divulge that when you sell it. Is that true? Do we know about that? I have heard that, but for all the listings I've ever read, that's never been on the listing. You might actually have to get to the point of uh, being a serious buyer before somebody discloses that. Um, when I got my, you know, closing package for my house, there wasn't anything in there that said like, sign here if there's a ghost, check no if there's no ghost. Yeah, I think it's so. more, yeah. I mean, I don't know too, but it has to be a dramatic thing. Like it has to be a, a famous murder, like, you know, like the Manson murders or or something that, but it's funny, a friend of mine, this is kind of an interesting side story. And when she was living in Ohio, she worked in a photo lab developing photographs and she would, among the photos she would um, develop were crime scenes from the local police. She would get the, um, the, the, the crime scenes. And one of them she got like was a really nasty murder with blood all over this bedroom and stuff. And she was at the time looking for a new place to live, a rental, and they took her into that room, and she's like, "No, no, no! I know exactly what <laughs> happened in here not too long ago because I developed the photos." Oh, nice! Wow. I guess I would also wonder, like, why people wouldn't like if they were purchasing a house, maybe just like do some minor research into that house, so you would kind of uncover on your own whether there was some violent, dramatic event that occurred there. I mean, can we all Google these things? <laughs> Of course, my favorite example of this is the house in New Jersey where the owners moved in. And this isn't a ghost story. This is even creepier to me. But the, the owners moved in and they started getting notes from someone who says, I'm watching the house. I've been watching that house for generations. My family watches that house and began to give them details about their family and and the daughter who lives in one of the rooms and stuff and and that that this was their their mission was to keep an eye on that house and the, and they kept getting these notes and it actually went to court because for exactly that reason they said that the pre previous owners had gotten these notes as well these anonymous notes and never disclosed that to the buyers and i i don't i it's it's you know bad storytelling that I don't remember how this turned out, but I believe they won the court case, if I'm not mistaken, that said that the prior owners really, and, and there was a whole discussion about whether it was just a buyer trying to get out of a bad purchase, but, uh. but these, these, these letters apparently were legit. They, this was something, this was a phenomenon that happened with that house, and that would really be creepy. Yeah. Like beyond ghost stories, it, that's that. That's. A I wonder, point. was it written in like ye old English or something, <laughs> or an, on vintage parchment, or was it like you know a post-it note? In which case, I'd be a little less frightened. <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying to look up the laws on hauntings and deaths. Only four states deal with paranormal activity in the real estate disclosure laws: New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Minnesota, according to an NBC4 New York story. 
Interesting. And according to realtor.com, regardless of what state you live in, if a buyer asks whether a death has occurred in the home, you are legally required to disclose. So don't ask, don't tell. Yep. Basically. I mean, people die in homes. They do. I, mean, I think it's more like creepy, weird dying that people are concerned about, like suicides and murders and whatnot. Actually, interesting. We've had somebody contact, I believe, the newspaper within the last year to ask us to take down a story, and I'm not going to get into which story it was, but they asked us to take down a story because a particularly, you know, tragic event had occurred in this house, and they have been trying to sell it, and people are Googling the address of this house and this story is coming up about this event. I'm not, no joke. This has happened in the last year where it was like, please take down this story because it's like putting a curse on my house. So was it taken down or? I mean, I think it was like a a legitimate news story that we didn't feel we could take down, um, you know, from our archive, but um, I can't, I can't remember. Oh, in this market, they'll sell it. It's they'll sell like in no time. Yeah, in COVID, this probably is no longer an issue. <laughs> That's a really interesting story. I mean, you know, like I think there's a different philosophy too about whether a, a quote unquote ghost story attached to your house is a good thing for your real estate values or bad thing. Like I feel like in some parts of the country and the world, having a ghost story in your house makes it much more saleable. Um, you lived in Salem, Massachusetts. That right. would certainly People be a plus, want right? That. But I mean, apparently like in East Hampton, nobody wants to share their ghost stories. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that's what's interesting. Cause I think that I actually have a, um, a ghost story in Sag Harbor and I spoke to this guy yesterday, used to own this building on Main Street. And when we first, you know, we we first heard that there were things going on there, we asked him and he wasn't sure if he wanted to talk about it with us because he was trying to sell it. And then he thought, you know what? I think it's a cool thing. I'm going to talk about it. So he actually, that's one of my stories of some of the things that have happened in this particular building on Main Street in Sag Harbor. Um, but he sort of was on the fence. And then finally he was like, oh, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I, I think people like that stuff. So I'm going to share it. But, um, but yeah, I feel like, like in Nantucket, I think you get cred when you have a ghost in your house. I don't, I don't think it hurts the market value. I mean, you even have like hotels in England that will like give you your night free if you make it through the whole night staying in certain haunted rooms and things like that. So there you go. Well, that would be a fun challenge. I, I don't want to get too deep here, but I'm a skeptic when it comes to paranormal. But I also really am intrigued by metaphysical stuff. And, you know, there, there are some ideas out there in science that are, that are pretty wild, too, about the multiverse and, and things like that, that, that in, in a different light, maybe we get glimpses of the metaphysical nature of existence. And that seems like ghosts, because, you know, I believe that when somebody dies, um, it's not the end. There has to be something more because physics even suggests that, as you said earlier, you know, energy doesn't disappear. It just changes form. And, and I think life has a a sort of energy to it. So maybe what we see as ghost stories is really just a glimpse of the metaphysical world that, that is how, how our existence on earth changes into something else, or maybe we're seeing parallel universes uh, that, that open up for a second and just give us a glimpse. I, I, you know, I think existence 
human existence is so fascinating and beyond our understanding anyway. Uh, I think I think we just ride with it, and I think I think it's fine to be uh, amused or comforted or uh, titillated by these kinds of stories. I think they're I think they're fun, and I think they are part of who we are as human beings. I I, I think we should embrace them. Uh, I don't like to debunk in the you know like I brought up the amazing Randy. I mean I get it. It's good to be rooted in reality too, and not to get too far away from it. But I think anybody who suggests we know everything about the world uh, is, is a fool. We don't know everything. Let's face it, reality is scary enough these days. I think we could use a little bit of this uh, <laughs> diversion right now. This psychic, psychic diversion, as they say. Absolutely. Hang on, I, I gotta call Dana because we have, we have a, music box somewhere. I'll tell you the story if I can find it. And I gotta say, Joe, I really expected more out of you, Mr. I go to Salem, Massachusetts for Halloween all the time. And you know, we get no ghost stories, WTF, you know? We're, we're canceling that trip. <laughs> um, Dana, where's the creepy uh, uh, music box? The, the binky music box? I suspect Dana believes in this more than he does. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, I think we maybe have the wrong Shaw on the podcast today. So, we always thought this music box sounded like, so our cat, Binky, was crazy. And so we said this was her theme song music, because it sounds like something from a horror film. As it winds down, it gets even creepier. You see what I mean? It sounds like a horror film. It's <laughs> out of tune. That really does sound like something out of a horror film. <laughs> it sounds like the ice cream truck. Also, also, this doesn't really count, but this was the cat in the hat doll that I love the sound it makes. <laughs> uh, maybe not anymore, but it, it used to say, let your mother know I'm here. And it used, to it, it used to say it like that, and it just sounded so creepy. Oh, it gave me chills. Let your mother know I'm here. <laughs> and that's how he said it. It, it was the way the way it, the the mechanism was bombed out. It was like, let your mother know I'm here. When, uh, good toys, was, when, when good toys go bad. It gave, gave me gave me chills. When I heard it. <laughs> so you want some more binky music? <laughs> we think probably this.
27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.